When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, yeah, Lennon Lewis, Lennon, I'm coming for you. Is it frustrating to train like you did and then have no, this I, in I seven or eight seconds? for this fight. I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend. And I dedicated this fight. I wasn't going to fight. I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal in Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Lipton. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their floor. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ringside Fracas. I'm your host Naeem and today I'm joined by Adam. Adam, how are you, bro? Not too bad, not too bad. Thank you for asking, bro. All good. A, yeah, I mean, I was hoping that this, my plan for this week was that this was meant to be the Fury Usyk special. I was going to get you, um, Oscar the Fury fan, uh, Say and many other people to join in and give our thoughts as we go into the build-up for um, the big heavyweight undisputed fight between um, Fury and Usyk. But obviously, uh, what was it, a week ago, two weeks ago, that got scuppered. So we're here. We've had, we've had a busy week of boxing to sort of get, get through. And so we've, got, we've definitely got a lot to talk about. There's definitely a lot to talk about, especially what happened <laughs> on Thursday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I had, I had hopes for next week and now there's nothing there. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's just... It's gone slow again, boxing. Not slow, but it's it's sort of we we, we need we, we need that big fight, and that was meant to be few Usyk, but now it's been pushed forward. So um, let's talk about the fights that were happening this week. So, of course, the first fight of the week that happened was uh, Tifimo Lopez defending his WBO and Ring Magazine Super Lightweight titles against Jermaine Ortiz, and it it was a fight which I thought was a stinker. Uh, there's no other way to put it. It, it, it. it stunk. It it was reminiscent of Shakur versus Edwin De Los Santos. Mm-hmm. We need to, we need to get rid of these Thursday night boxing fights because honestly they haven't delivered. The matchmaking up at, at top rank has to be better because on paper it did seem like these two fights would be fun fights to watch because they're they're both top contenders. It just stylistically didn't gel well, and it was it was infuriating to watch at times what I was seeing on my screen um, from both Ortiz and from Bo- and, and Tiafimo. The scorecards, dubious, because there was no way that you could have scored that fight wide for any fighter. Yeah. But 
it, 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 but it's not one that to me screams robbery. I personally had Ortiz winning when I was scoring it. I think it was like 7-5. But I did note that when I had him winning, that there were a couple swing rounds in there that because he didn't do a lot in those rounds, it doesn't necessarily mean that he should have got it. It's just to me, I thought he would have uh, gone those rounds. Um, but man, it, it, it was such a stinker. Like the build-up was good because you know the one thing about Teofimo is he's a weirdo, but he he put that um, circus celebration uh, walkout the ring walk where he's the showman, and you're thinking, okay, it's fair enough. You, you've done something different that's going to get people talking. Now when he gets into the ring, hopefully we're going to get something good and and and. Uh, the way they were talking and building up, you thought we we're going to get a good fight, and it just it just stank. I mean, my issue, my main issues with the fight was Ortiz fought as a southpaw, which he doesn't really, he rarely does, and he fought off the back foot. Um, I don't have an issue with him doing that. It, you know, it's the style that he's seen. He's basically watched the Sandor Martin fight, and he saw how Sandor stunk it out, uh, but looked like he won, so he was looking to do the same thing. And yeah. fair enough, if you're uh, taking that tactic, then you've got to apply it well. But I was frustrated with Tio because Ortiz isn't a, wasn't a great back foot boxer in that fight. He, he was basic at best. Um, there was a lot of things he was doing that was repetitive that I thought if you're looking at him and you're understanding and you're seeing how he's moving, you're seeing how he's exiting, how he's ducking, so you could time a lot of shots. But it felt like Tio was, wasn't really looking at anything. He was just looking like he did in the Cambosos fight and the Martin fight where he was just looking to knock guys out. Uh, and it, he there's one thing someone said, um, Greg Hackett, who's a coach that gets interviewed quite a bit. Um, he said, Tio's not a puncher, he's a striker. So he, he, he looks to throw punches, but he looks to look good in them, not because he's trying to hurt them. So you see the way he's throwing punches, like he's throwing these leaping left hooks, he's throwing these leaping right hands, and it, yeah, it, it 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 just it looked so poor. And there were so many times while watching it, I'm going like, you know, cut off the left for Tio, cut off the left door when he's trying to exit, use the left hook, throw something, wasn't throwing it, wasn't throwing combinations, was barely using his jab to get uh, close the distance, was just yeah. trying to leap in with big shots, power shots, and and trying to um, basically look. Stylist, look, look, get a, um, a stylist knockout, like you know, get something that looks very nice on his uh record, but he just looked stupid. All he, he's failed at trying to do that every single time I could think yeah. of. Um, every single time, and uh, yeah, the, the points that he made have been spot on, really. It's, it's infuriating because it's like you want some of these guys to become a star in the sport because obviously it's healthy for the sport, especially especially with these guys, because you know they're taking on everyone, they're fighting everyone. You've got to give them that respect. 100%. But when you, have, when you have performances like this, how the hell can you be a star? Because like, you watch the Sandor Martin fight, you watch this fight, you go, well, why should I keep watching these fights? Like These guys can't do anything properly. And I, I've said this, that Teofimo Lopez is the type of guy, he can become a champion and win, and he can win a belt, he can beat a champion. Like, Josh Taylor or Lomachenko, but he can't be a champion. He 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 he's there's something that goes wrong with him, and then okay. whenever he's in a fight, he just he just switches off and he thinks I can do whatever I want. I'm invincible, 
and he he, he looked like such a sea level boxer in that fight that it was it was it's enough to the fact that there was only six thousand people in the audience, which tells you that he's not pulling enough numbers anyway. Half of those people won't come back to his fights. Mm. Yeah. At least half of those people. So yeah. no. it, it was frustrating to watch. But what are your thoughts on? Because I know you're you're you've been looking at Jermaine Ortiz for quite a bit. So what are your thoughts on the whole? Yeah. Uh, so um, with Jermaine Ortiz, I think he is a very very game fighter. And someone that's quite unlucky because he poses a very high risk for anyone with the belt, but very low reward because of him essentially being an unknown fighter. Uh, we were having this discussion in private about where we think he is. Uh, of course, it was his, I believe it was the first fight at 140, previously at 135. Um, he had a, a very good fight against Lomachenko and he's kind of gone up in weight. I've seen a lot of things in him that I like. He's very athletic. He's got a very good jab. He's a good boxer overall. And I personally think he's in around the top 10 range at 140 of fighters. I think he could give a lot of the fighters in the top 10 a run for their money and potentially beat them. You said, uh, on the contrary, you think he's around top 15, which is understandable. I thought it's a bit harsh. Um, on that particular night, what I think we saw was we all know the common saying of styles make fights. And this was a case where the styles made the fight, but unfortunately it wasn't a good fight. It was a very poor fight. I don't think that was stylistically what Ortiz is really like. I think, and I don't know if you want to give his team credit or not, but I think they've looked at uh, Tiafimo Lopez in a couple of his fights and thought we could beat him with these particular tactics. I mean, it's the first time I've seen Ortiz come out and fight Southpaw. Um, he's not someone that always fights on the back foot. I mean, he was literally on the back foot for the whole fight. I think they've just saw things where they know Teofimo can't really cut off the ring that well. And he likes to lunge a lot. And that gave uh, Ortiz so many opportunities with backing up and countering him. So, um, it's a thing where it's not fan-friendly, but if you've gone into the fight with the idea of we just want to win, even if we have to win dirty, then you have to give your team credit for them seeing that opportunity. I think he fought, you know, in terms of tactics, a um, well-tactically fought fight. I don't think he did anything that impressively. Like you said, it was a lot of basic things of the way he was moving out. It was just made a lot easier for him because Teofimo Lopez made his night that easy. Um, he didn't try to set up shots. He was awful at cutting off the ring. Every time he tried to come into range, he didn't try to close the distance with fates or doubling up the jab or anything. He was just lunging in with uh, leaping hooks and what, like you said. And a lot of the times when he lunged in, uh, he lunged in incorrectly where his head was even ahead of his knees and whatnot. And Ortiz was able to catch him with some nice counters. Um, I mean, from a fundamental perspective, he didn't fight a good boxing fight whatsoever. And I think that kind of gives us a glimpse in Tiafima Lopez where he he's a bit of an enigma where he is such a gifted fighter. He's technically very sound. He's extremely athletic. 
he, if you look at him as a fighter, he does have that X factor where you think this guy can be a superstar. But unfortunately, it depends totally on what type of style is coming his way. Um, he was able to look very impressive. I mean, the fight against Josh Taylor, he looked like an absolute world beater, like an elite class level fighter in that fight. And then, um, like you said, the fight with Ortiz, he looked like a C-class fighter. Um, I think it's not more about, it's not about what Tiafimo turns up, because I don't think it's a issue of mentality or him not training accordingly. I just think it's about the style that's in front of him. Um, he's very good at counter-punching and he's very good at fighting um, when he's not having to go and cut off the ring and apply pressure the whole time. Uh, I mean, we've seen that with, um, even in the Lomachenko fight, a lot of the time it was Lomachenko that was actually pressing forward and Tiafimo was kind of keeping him at bay, uh, jabbing and kind of keeping him off with his power shots because he does carry power. But when um, when it's up to him to kind of take the fight to a fighter, um, he doesn't seem to do it that well. I, th I think he really needs to learn how to cut off the ring, uh, how to use his foot play placements uh, correctly. Um, and yeah, there is still a lot to learn for him, to learn for him if he wants to excel and really become a superstar. Um, so yeah, that's what my thoughts were personally on it. Yeah, I think with the whole cutting off the ring part, I feel like he's had this issue again with Sandal Martin and you yeah. haven't improved. I feel like, I wouldn't say get rid of your dad, but you'd have to get someone like, you know, one thing Chris Andre mentioned in one of his videos, uh, getting Eddie Reynoso as a trainer because him and Canelo stylistically in terms of how they're built, um, because Canelo as well, I've always, I've always mentioned, maintained this take throughout the last like five years that out of all the elite fighters, Canelo probably has like the worst footwork. But what makes him elite, yeah, is what Reynoso trained him to do, which is cutting off the ring, stepping with your opponent, and then launching, um, pressure fighting them and launching those big combinations. Um, that's why I feel like Lopez has to kind of now get into the, but that's the thing, he's, he's very weird that mentally I don't think he's all right. I mean, I don't think most people that are in this sport are mentally all right. You're getting punched in the head for a living. Yeah, you need a few, you need a few screws loose if you're <laughs> becoming a professional boxer. I agree. So, yeah, yeah, but with 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 Lopez, I just feel like he's he feels like it's him and his dad against the world. So I don't think he's gonna change the trainer or at least go to someone like Eddie Reynoso and try to get some help from him. But I feel like that would solve a lot of his problems against movers, but. That's the thing about Teofimo Lopez, which Chris Welch says here, is he's the biggest boxing mystery because he's out there hot and cold every single time, where when he mm -hmm. fought um, Sando Martin, looked rubbish. When he fought Josh Taylor, looks looked amazing. When he fought you know, Jermaine Ortiz, he looked cold again. Like You don't know what to expect from him. Um, yeah. And he says that Haney was always his number one at 140 because Teofimo Lopez is too hot and cold. That's fair enough to say Haney's your number one. For me, it's still Tio. For me, it's still Tio because Haney still has to get that win over him or another champion, if that makes sense. Hmm. Or yeah. you could argue there is no number one. That it's there's four people out there. And all it's it's a big toss-up right now. To be totally honest, it's a big toss-up. But that's what makes the 140 division really exciting right now. We've kind of seen that 
that class in 135 kind of move up now and things are starting to heat up a bit. So um, we have a good few years of boxing coming with these guys, especially because it seems like none of them are really looking to duck anyone either. They're, yeah. they're all on the smoke. So, yeah, it looks yeah. very promising. Mm. Yeah, and... Um... Yeah, so to, to, from for for Tia, I think the next thing that we kind of got to see is, I feel like he should fight someone like a Subriel Matias, who's the IBF champion, because Subriel is not a boxer. He's he's a come forward. He's one of the best pressure fighters in the sport. That's yeah. really going to play into the style that Tia wants. He wants someone to stand there and trade with him. And Subriel can also hit hard. He can definitely crack more hard. I think the one thing Tiafimo hasn't come to grips with yet is that at 140, he's not the same puncher he was at 135. So mm -hmm. that's going to be a real litmus test to see. Firstly, can you take a big shot from a guy that can punch really hard at 140? And secondly, can you crack that guy when he stands there and takes your shots flush? Because he can, he does take a couple shots to be on my tier. So if I'm top rank, I'm looking at Tia and I'm going, look, that was a crap fight. It will, same with Shakur, like it was a rubbish fight and it's, it's made his stock go down but let's see if we can get this fight because if he wins it's a unification bout and you'll see everyone because boxing fans are reactionary you see everyone going back on Tiafimo yeah know, he's mm -hmm. everything for power and whatnot so I think that's the angle that they should be looking for what do you think next for Tio? I think that's a very good fight I just wish people understood um how dangerous Matias is because that guy can crack and he's kind of gone under the radar at 140 where a lot of people haven't heard of him but he is a scary scary man and uh, i think he gives all of the top uh, fighters at 140 problems and he's an exciting person in the mix because the, the way he fights is so fan friendly and you're bound to see fireworks and i think his style would bring the best out of tiafuma lopez as well and, and it's a real litmus test like you said for both of them and uh, you, there's going to be like, I don't know if you could count Tiafimo Lopez as a star yet or not, but out of that fight, a star will be born most definitely, whoever wins that. And I can't actually call it um, because uh, I still think there's question marks over Matias at how good he is. Um, we haven't really seen him tested yet. So that would be a very exciting um, fight for the purists. Yeah. 100 um and speaking about big fights at 140 i forgot to i forgot about this i just remembered it now because you reminded me Devin haley's taking on ryan garcia announced i think it was yesterday or, or the day before um it's gonna happen april 20th for Devin haney's wbc super lightweight belt uh my first thoughts these are initial thoughts when we come to the fight we'll obviously do a bigger breakdown and kind of well everything but my initial thoughts are this is something that you especially american boxing needs they needed a big fight they need some of these fights to happen. And these are two of the four princes that we were, we were you know, we've been talking about for the last, like, what, three, four years um, coming together. And their their history is there. The fact that um, look, the two of them know each other since the amateurs. They've had six fights in the amateurs. It's 3-3 three, three between them. This is game seven. But this is where all the stakes and everything's on the line. Top world titles on the line. Um, undef well, for Devin Haney, his undefeated record is on the line. Um and for Ryan Garcia, this is his chance at redemption. He he feels that he was hard done by in the tank fight with the whole rehydration clause and whatnot. What are your thoughts about that? I get it, you know, Ryan, whatever, we, you know. But for Ryan, this is his chance to sort of get his name back 
um, into this big mix um, of boxing and also um, to kind of prove to everyone that he is who they said he was from the beginning and try to become fulfill his dream of becoming a, um, a world champion. And to them, this is like this is like the proving point, isn't it? Like we, you both come out of the amateurs and you both are three three. You both want that extra, that seventh, that fourth win over. Now it's at the pros, and it's like been I think it's been <clears throat> like eight years or nine years since they last fought each other. I can't remember when they last fought each other, but since then it proves it. You're kind of proving to each other when you whoever steps in and wins on April twentieth that everything I've done since is proven that I'm better than you, and this proves categorically that I'm better than you. I've, I've mm -hmm. chosen my trainer better than you. I've chosen my professional career path better than you. My style's better than you. Ultimately, I am better than you. So this is going to be a great fight. I can't wait uh, to watch this fight. I'm, obviously, this is one of those fights where I have to stay up. It doesn't hit me the same way that Tyke Garcia does because I feel like now, before at least with Garcia, you kind of had an understanding that he was quite... He was decent and he was on a roll. Now he's only had one fight after Tank, which was the Oscar Duarte fight. And even though he did win by knockout, he didn't look he looked he, he didn't look confident. And to me, this is just me putting my tinfoil hat on. I feel like this is a golden boy's chance where they're gone. Rather than letting Ryan lose to someone else that's lower, let's just go for the highest name possible, get as money as we uh, as much money as we can. And then at least even if Ryan loses, we can still then build from there. But at least it's for a world title this time. Yeah. So, but so I'm, I'm so from that I think I guess you can tell that I think Devin Haney is going to probably beat him. I think Ryan will be shocked by how um, the timing and the footwork of of Devin Haney because he's really solid and it's like similar to Progre. I think he's going to. I think that's going to be the key difference with with the footwork. But Ryan's. Like he always does, he'll have that puncher's chance because of his fast hands. But I think his, his footwork's going to get exposed. What are your first thoughts on this big fight being announced? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm really happy this fight is happening because despite <laughs> how how much I respect um, Devin Haney's mentality and how he's kind of gone after every fight, he still hasn't really established himself as a pay-per-view star by any stretch of the imagination. Um, now I feel like he's going to get a taste of some real numbers because whether people like it or not, Ryan Garcia is going to bring eyeballs to this fight. Um, in regards to how the fight is going to go, I, I think Haney's going to win, uh, of course. I mean, um, looking at how both of their uh, professional careers have panned out over the past couple of years, um, one has kind of overtaken the other by quite a large margin as well, I'd say. I, I'm just very curious to see how he fights this fight because, um, you know, I've kind of made my comments about how Haney is a bit of a weight bully and that he's always the, the bigger fighter in these past couple of fights. Now he's fighting someone that's really around his weight limit and even arguably a bit taller as well. So I want to see how he manages the distance and range against a uh, taller fighter this time round. But I don't think Garcia really has the fundamentals and the footwork to really um, question it that much. Uh, I, th I think it will be a shutout fight for Gar uh, for Haney. I don't think there would be a knockout. Um, I, I just think it's going to be a case where he wins 10 rounds, maybe even the whole 12. And uh, 
maybe Garcia could pick up a few rounds, but uh, I, I think it's a very straightforward for, right fight for um, Haney. And um, yeah, I think Golden Boy are potentially looking to cash out on Ryan Garcia at this point because uh, his last fight wasn't very promising. Yeah. We could even yeah. see Devin drop him because of like not pure power, but when he with his timing and when he gets his I mean, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and leaving himself open, uh, getting timed, and you know, the punches that you don't see coming are always the ones that hurt the most, aren't they? So, Perfect. I can't wait for that fight. Uh, it, look, it's, it's a good uh schedule that we're getting forward, uh, looking forward to, um, of fights. <clears throat> Just to still touch on the American base, Keyshawn Davis obviously. Jose Pedraza um, on the Tiofimo uh, uh, versus Ortiz undercard. And I thought he looked brilliant. I thought one thing I will add before I say anything about Keyshawn Davis is that Jose Pedraza did look like a shell of his former self. Yeah. His, his legs weren't really all there, but he's, he was still showing his craftiness at times with the way he was boxing and trying to take the distance away um, from Keyshawn and trying to give him problems. He wasn't just a punching bag there. It was just... His resistance wasn't all there. His legs weren't all under him. So now that that's out of the way, Keyshawn looked good. I thought he looked solid. His composure, whenever um, Jose was trying to cut the distance off, was good. Um, being able to use his lead arm to frame those type of tricks to blind um, Pedraza and hit him with certain shots. Uh, his shot selection was really good. Punch variety. It, it was a proper performance where I'm looking at it and I, I looked at it and I, gone, I went, you know what, that's how you announce yourself on the scene. Because even though Jose Pedraza has lost, no one stopped him and stopped him like that. And he's even been at 140. So the only guy that had stopped him was obviously Tank. And that's because he impressed himself because he stopped the proper um, Jose Pedraza. But for Pokishon, that's the kind of performance that you need to put on, especially when it's your first former world champion. Um, you know he's been at the highest level recently. So what he did was really impressive. And it's only upwards from him. And he's a really good fighter. He's got that killer instinct in him. Um, but he's also um, got so much craftiness behind him that he's really one for the future to keep looking out for. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Keyshawn's performance? No, yeah, I think he's someone that's taken to the professional game very well. Um, and as you said, he's not just someone that punches he's a very he has like a very extensive amateur background as well and um i think he's a very exciting fighter in that 135 140 mix i think he has the personality to sell fights as well he seems like a really cool guy i, I genuinely like Keyshawn davis as well i think i think he's um he's a good character for the sport um his actual performance i mean pedraza was really a shadow of his former self and even though he does have the experience and the ring generalship and craftiness and whatnot, I think he was there for, for the taking with Keyshawn. Yeah. And there were some instances where Keyshawn was just fully legs planted in, just timing single shots and having his way with Pedraza, I thought. But it was a statement victory. And um, it's, it's a victory that kind of gets his name echoing um, around that weight division. And, uh, of course, with the whole build-up with him and Teofimo Lopez, I, I thought it was quite funny, the, the conversation those two had. <laughs> and, then, um, and then afterwards, at the end, the, the, the chaos, a small bit of chaos that kind of erupted, yeah. is, is, is giving us, like, 
a fight where we, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight at one stage. I don't know if I want to see it right away. I do think Keyshawn needs a bit more building up and, and a bit more um, fights like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And and the fact he's taken to the professional game so well, it, uh, it leaves us all kind of wanting to see the, the fight with him and Andy Cruz in, in the professional game as opposed to amateurs. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that's a fight that all the fans are going to be um, expecting uh, real soon. We don't know when. They, they both need some building. And I believe that could be a fight uh, which commercially does quite well in in the future. So do we want to rush it and get the best fight right away from these two? I, I don't know. Maybe build them up a bit more. Uh, I'm sure the, the teams at top rank and, and matchroom have an idea of how things will go on there. But it's, it's something where it's a fight which is really in the back of my mind that I'm quite excited to, to see in the future. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm glad to see Keyshawn getting his name about in the division. And potentially, I mean... If he does go to 140 at some point, uh, if Ryan Garcia uh, loses the, the Haney fight, that, that's a potential fight there for him as a stepping stone um, because I kind of do see Garcia becoming a almost like a uh, gatesman for the, the elite fighters. So we'll, we'll see. There's there's a lot of potential fights for, for Kishon. Tifuma trying to convince us at the press conference that he, this guy was reading. <laughs> This guy was reading a guy was reading a color coloring book. He's trying to convince us he's reading. <laughs> you know, you can tell you can tell from the mannerisms the way he's holding a book. He ain't read it. He ain't read a single word. Like I said, he's, got, he's got he's got a coloring book and just put the cover on it, so it looked like he was reading something like properly. But that conversation, yeah, was that that combo killed me. That was so funny. I've seen him fight and I've seen him talk, man. You ain't reading shit. Like, let's be real. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy's still reading comics, man. About <laughs> proper books. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, with Kishon, yeah, I'm impressed with him. And also on the undercard as well, Abdullah Mason, my prospect of the year, bro, he looked amazing. And obviously, it's not a, an amazing opponent. He's fighting, still 19, they're still building him up, but he's putting that work in. He looks really sharp. He looks quick. He looks really good and composed. So keep everyone, just keep keep your eyes peeled for Abdullah because I feel like this year you're going to see way more of him and he's going to get pushed even harder this year than before but he's definitely one for the future because remember only 19 like that kid's got yeah. so, so long to look forward to um, 100% and, and um, if he does a few more performances like that I'm sure his name his stock is going to go flying I mean um, yeah. um, I actually didn't know about him until you mentioned him on the pod uh, at the 2023 end of year review and uh, of course, I kept my eye out, and he looked phenomenal. He looks like a athletically very good, very fast, technically sound. Um, only nineteen years old as well. Like the the only way is up for him, and a very exciting future. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And speaking of futures that we're going to have to look forward to, in London on Saturday we had um, Hamza Shira's headline in the Copper Box Arena taking on his biggest test yet, Liam Williams, someone that was meant to see if. Uh, Hamza Shiraz is ready for the world level stage and I think it's safe to say that he really passed that test with flying colours. Um, again, another fight I think similar to the sort of Pedraza fight, but not actually even worse, where I felt like Liam's punch resistance had gone completely. But I did mention in the on the morning before the fight, um, someone said, oh, well, you know, 
as, as and he was right in mentioning this CR boxing, big big up him. Um, he was right in mentioning that Liam Williams is very tough. He can take a couple punches and he can. Uh, throughout his career, he's shown that that he's tough. He can rally back and he can really make a fight tough, especially for someone like Hamza Shiraz. But what I did mention was when you watched that Eubank fight, you saw that Eubank was dropping off, dropping him off jabs. That's an indication to me that your punch resistance is gone. And the only reason that Eubank didn't stop him was because Eubank didn't want to stop him. He wanted to play with his food. He, he didn't really care about getting the stoppage. He just wanted to make Liam Williams look bad. So that was my only thing going into this. How would Liam react to the punches? And we saw straight away that one good jab that Hamza timed put him down straight away. Um, and it was just all she wrote. Like he, Hamza was just getting his timing off in that round and put him down. And I'm glad they stopped the fight when they did. We don't need to see Liam Williams get flattened and um, get uh, put over like that because you could just tell he, he he wasn't any much resistance. But for Hamza, you did what he did what was expected from him. It's not it's not a, a performance I'm looking at. And I'm going, wow, this guy could win a world title. I've always thought he's got the potential, especially in this division. It's a very lackluster division. He can definitely win a title. It's changing. So the new era still hasn't stepped up yet, but he can definitely win a world title. But this performance didn't really change much of my um, opinion of him. It just showed his more his maturity, but also he's able to get someone out there as quickly as possible when they're not when they shouldn't be in there with him. So it was it was it was an impressive performance all around. I'm not I, I would give it like a seven out of ten. It wasn't like a wow, amazing. You know those type of performances, but it's like you did your job and uh, you look good. He looks he looks he looks the business at one sixty. Yeah. What's your thoughts on uh, Shiraz? Yeah, no, I mean, really, it's more to just echo what you said. I don't think yesterday's fight answered many questions about him at the world level because of um, Liam Williams was really a shadow of his former self. Um, but watching it, it looked like a very impressive performance. I mean, one thing I had to note was his timing was really good. But, um, I mean, Liam didn't move out of range. He, he made it a very, very easy night for, for Hamza. So uh, I don't think it answered many questions. Is he ready for the world level? Potentially, just because of how weak the division is. But it opens up quite a lot of um, tasty scraps in the domestic uh, scene anyway. I mean, uh, Frank Warren mentioned uh, Eubank right after. That's personally a fight I'd love to see. Um, I think it would be a very good fight. And just pause in advance, but Shiraz is huge at the weight. I don't know how he makes 160. Like He is ginormous. So uh, if he could keep at that weight and keep fighting the way he does. Um, I mean, the, the timing yesterday was impeccable. The way he timed the jab, um, the way he timed the uppercut as well, that dropped him. It, he just seemed like he had very good timing in that ring yesterday. And um, yeah, uh, it was an exciting performance because it leaves a lot of questions which I desire to be answered, but it makes us look forward to that many fights in the future. So overall, I think it's a good fight for his uh, stock. Uh, people are going to be more excited to um, see what he has to offer. And the only way is uh, up for him. Yeah, 100%. Man. Chris Roach is saying Shiraz was just too powerful in the ring. And that Shiraz versus Nathan Heaney for the British title makes more sense than either of them fighting Eubank Jr. Eubank should fight for the world title, not these two he expects to beat. Uh, Nathan Heaney's come fighting next month. 
on the Joe Joyce versus Cash Ali card, defending his British title against Bad Pulse. If he gets through that, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Hamza Shiraz take on a British title uh, and pick it up because I feel like that would boost his stock um, domestically. More people know about him and also he's someone that if you want to sell to the casuals, it's good to sell them with a title on their shoulders, even if it is a domestic um, title. But with the Eubank stuff, because obviously they called out Eubank um, last night, uh, uh, Eubank, Eubank wouldn't fight guys like Janabek. He wouldn't fight guys like Janabek or Hamza Shiraz because there's not enough money in it and Eubank isn't in this now for the legacy. He's in this for the money. So that's why he's still waiting for Conor Ben. As long as Conor Ben can sort out his UK fight issues, that fight will... As soon as Conor Ben sorts that out, I promise you, announce that fight within two weeks and then that's the fight he's going for because he knows that's the that's the one that's going to make him the most money. And then if he wants to fight after that, either Liam Smith 3 or he'll do... um, a, a a Kel Brook fight. He'll, he'll call out Kel Brook and get Kel Brook to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Expect Eubank to take on any of these guys because he's not at that. Before he used to be, he's not at that stage in his career anymore. He doesn't want, he doesn't really care uh, too much about becoming the best in Britain. So, but for Hamza, I feel what's next could be if they try to get him on that uh, Matchroom versus Queensbury 5v5 card, they could definitely do one versus him and. Um, Amma Williams, that would be a good fight if they did that. That would be a That's very good fight, you know, yeah, yeah. World level, both not really, no, no one wants to step up and fight them. So step up and fight each other and that would really get your name up. That would probably be one of the best wins in middleweight division since Janibek beating Denzel Bentley. So that's what, you know. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's a wicked fight actually. Um, yeah, I, I hope they make that up. Yeah, so no, yeah. Let, let's see. He's only had one round, so he, he's ready to go in June. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. but one to watch for. He's definitely, especially at middleweight, he could definitely pick up a world title and they can definitely make him a star, especially with his Asian, British Asian following and, and also the way he fights as well. Um, all right, so at the yard, um, obviously had a run out uh, on that uh, card as well. Easy run out. It was always meant to be easy. Uh, the opponent was thirty-two and three, but it was one of those padded records. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't. And he and he stopped. He looked good, like he always does, and he stopped him in the third round. But in the build-up to it, they um, Joshua Bratzi was there, and they obviously was hinting at uh, that fight next. And there's now obviously there's been reports that they are talking about doing that uh, a fight around the summertime, doing a Wembley Arena clash between the two. Um, what are your thoughts on if Anthony Yard versus Joshua Ratsy is being next? I honestly don't know because I think we're at this point now where, of course, everyone's been begging for that fight for the longest. Um, I, I think that's a fight that could sweat, sell out the O2 easily, Wembley Arena, but potentially it's, it's a great London scrap. But as if I'm Anthony Yard right now, there's the five versus five with Matchroom and Queensbury on the horizon. That's including quite a lot of Saudi money. And you have a very good fighter on the other end for Matchroom in Callum Smith in the same weight division. And I think, would that be the better fight to take because of the opportunity that's at hand right now where you're probably not going to be able to negotiate the terms for that fight much easier than right now and there's going to be a lot of money involved and it's going to be a 
just an unbelievable card altogether. Do you think Callum Smith, Saudi money fight, or do you think Boatsy? I don't think Boatsy is going to go anywhere. So I think that fight is always going to be available. Whereas with the Callum Smith fight, I'm not too sure. And um, despite Anthony Yard versus Boatsy being a great um, fight for London, you got to remember that um, the Smiths are really popular up north and I'm sure it's going to be like a London versus up north type of uh, rivalry for that fight and the, the people are going to be about it. So um, two, very, I'd love to be on the yard right now in that I have two potentially very good fights, not just for my record, but potentially very lucrative as well and, and quite a lot of money. Um, it, it depends... I don't know. Uh, I think Buatsi needs this fight a lot more than Yard. I think a lot of people have started to give Yard his flowers in regards to how good he is as a fighter at the 175 division um, in the UK. But uh, it's just a matter of decisions where if the opportunity for that fight against Callum Smith pops up, does he take it or not? Um, I have also heard that they're trying to potentially think about offering him Richards instead of Smith. Personally, I don't want to see that fight. If it's a case where they're trying to offer up Richards uh, for the Anthony Yard fight, I'd most likely go for the Boatsy fight if I'm Yard. Uh, it makes a lot more sense. I don't think there's enough demand for the Craig Richards fight at all. Yeah, um, that, that that was my thoughts. So, uh, Chris Watch saying Boatsy versus Yard makes sense next for both fighters because both aren't ready to fight the top guys in Better Be and Bivol yet. And it's a perfect O2 fight. Well, I mean, I agree it is a perfect O2 fight, but they are targeting the Wembley Arena for it. Um, I feel like, yeah, like I agree with what you said, is that the Saudi money that's off on offer, you probably look at that first and take it. But I don't think that they're targeting, the Saudis are targeting the Callum Smith fight for that card um, yet. So that's why I think they're pivoting. The, the Yard team is pivoting towards the Boatsy fight is because they know it's a bigger yeah. fight, it's a better fight, and that they can do it in the UK and that there would, it would be a, it would be a sellout. It, it would sell out the Wembley Arena. They'd get their fan bases involved, and it would have good build up. So, um, in terms of the fight itself, we've had loads of discussions about this on the GC. And when we when if this else gets announced, and also we do the preview for it, um, it's going to be very divided. Initially, going into thinking about this matchup, like however many years ago it was, I always thought it was going to be Buatsi. But how their careers have unfolded, I'm now sort of leaning towards Yard winning this fight. I think it's going to be a very good fight. That Yard's going to provide a sort of test, a side of Boatsy that he hasn't seen yet. Because he's going to be in there with a fighter that can punch really hard, but also can set a pace. And he's really going to stick it to him. Like we saw him do in the better beer fights. Like you can't take a back foot. Or you can take a back foot, but you can't really press your foot off the gas because Anthony will come at you. Um, and Joshua hasn't done anything to, for me recently that like we've discussed in the last week's pod that he hasn't really separated himself from the British scene. He, he's the way he's fought those fights that he still looks like he can be beaten. So it's a very good fight. It, uh, like we said, it's it's been built up for I think like five years now. Um, it's got a great history to it because um, you've got one guy in Joshua Boazzi who's gone the traditional route um did amateur boxing when he was at uni um then went to uh amateur competitions won them went to the olympics uh medaled there got bronze uh, got bronze and then from there he's been 
pushed as a matchroom fighter because everyone was looking at him to be the next star in uh, <coughs> the British light heavyweight scene. You've then got um, Anthony Yard, who's on the opposite side of that end, where he didn't have many amateur fights. He sort of pushed himself into the pro scene and had to work his way up, but building his uh, um, platform and his, his brand while he was doing it. Uh, got signed by um, Frank Warren, and they really pushed him as a uh, as a fighter, and they pushed his brand, and they really built him as a commercial entity. Um, well, and then Subwatsi so rather would rather go the traditional route of let me fight around these levels and see if I'm ready for the world level. Whereas Yard was kind of he fought at an okay level, then he really just jumped up straight to Kovalev. Saw he did well in there, but eventually the experience of kovalev found him out and the the level that he was fighting at found him out came back down fought again around english level and then went jumped straight back to a world title challenged himself and really looked good in that fight um, he did look good in that fight and showed that he he belonged around the world level um, yeah. but on the opposite side you have buatsi who's kind of taken too long to challenge for a world title and still hasn't yet and so like, like that's a great build-up because the parallels between the two, the opposite, the opposite approaches that they've taken to their career. Now, when they get in there, we're really going to see what's been better for whose career and who really will come out on top. So I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, I can't wait. And if it's Wembley Arena, obviously we're going to try to go to that fight. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, catch us there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Chris says Aziz versus Richards should be next for both of them if fights. Yeah, because Craig Richards yeah. came back. He looked good. Um, uh, not good, but like he 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 got the knockout. He, yeah, I agree. He needs another tune up because you could see the ring rust in there. Um, and for someone like Dan Aziz, I feel like even if he loses to you know he lost to Joshua Joshua Ratsy, he doesn't need a tune up. Like you just need to shove him in these big fights and he'll 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 still perform and he'll, he'll play his fight. part. Yeah, 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 he'll play his part. But I, I think. He's he's more of a stepping stone fighter to me. He's never going to go beyond the, the domestic level. That's why this um, fight with Richards is good because we get to see if Richards is beyond that domestic level. Or beyond not. that level, yeah, because there are a lot of question marks. Uh, definitely, he's come up short against uh, Bivol, yeah. which, in all fairness, he looked quite good. He made it quite difficult for Bivol and quite cagey. And uh, the, the fight against uh, Buatsi was actually like a very good scrap. Um, yeah, it was neck and neck at times. So yeah, there's there's still a few question marks around. <laughs> there's still yeah. a few question marks around him, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's why that's why I feel because with Aziz, he can definitely win that Richards fight, uh, and with Richards, he can definitely win that fight as well. So. I think so, you know. You don't think uh, he can? He can win it. Like he's he's much more likely to beat a Richards than a Boetsi. Yeah, much yeah, more, more likely, of course. Like, yeah, I, 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 I really like it's like 55 Richards, 45 Aziz. Or, yeah. If I'm if I'm betting money, I know who I'm putting my money on in that fight, 100. percent And it's not Aziz. It's not yeah, Aziz. That's huh? That's fair. Like like I was saying, yeah. I feel Richards is the favorite, but only by a slight margin. Fair enough. But it'll be, it will be it will get a good fight because Rich, Richards can punch hard and he's a good boxer and Aziz is definitely going to stick it on him and try to take the fight to him. So if they do make that fight, which I hope they do, um, it it will be fun to watch. And 
at least Aziz, he's, he'll stay true to his word, and he has as he has been because when he came on our pod and we were talking about the how stacked the light heavyweight scene was, this is back in March 2022. He was saying he wants to see all the British light heavyweights fight each other, and he's doing that. He's yeah. taking on all the British light heavyweights. So credit to him, and you know, even though he lost, it doesn't matter. You keep going, and he's proving that he's he's he's, he's yeah. to fight. So that's good. If Richards has another tune-up before Aziz fight, then I fancy Richards. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine probably Richards would be the favorite, especially because um, of the Bivol fight and the fact that he he went to war with uh, Boatsi and it was, it was a bit closer than the Aziz fight was. So, is there anything else that I forgot that you think I need to touch on? No? Um, just a postponement with Usyk Fury. That's you only yeah. too much on it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So. Obviously, we, we've we've talked about this before, but I need to get your take on it. You're a Usyk fan. What were your thoughts on this? Obviously, Fury getting a cut in sparring, the video coming out, and then obviously it getting postponed till May 18, where um, uh, what's his name, Turkey Al Sheikh was there, like Suge Knight or or Jay Prince holding him hostage. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing this fight. If someone steps away, they're scared and they're paying me 10 million. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, nonsense going on over there yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a quick so when it happened it's like i was surprised then i wasn't surprised i wasn't surprised because it's fury he's he's a greaseball and i expect something like that from him but i'm also surprised because it's like <laughs> the whole world was looking at him at this point surely he wouldn't try to worm his way out and, and somehow he did and um name you still there yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So um, he still wormed his way out somehow. Now, how did he get that cut? Uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone would be desperate enough to cut themselves intentionally. I don't know. I just think he was having a very, very bad camp. Um, it turns out that the rumours that were coming out seem to be true. I don't think there's much fight left in Fury. Um, from what I've seen uh, going around, apparently the whole 10 million idea was actually pushed forward by Team Music as well, where uh, they've just had enough. And I, I think it was them that kind of pushed that forward to uh, Turkey. And um, he implemented being the boss that he is right now. He seems to be running the show right now in boxing. Um I could tell he's enjoying it because every time he comes into any of these videos, he kind of like, he tries to bring that boss energy with him. You could tell he's trying it, but it's like I'll be doing the same in his position. He's calling the shots right now, and I, th I thought that video was um, was quite good. And um, his whole fiasco has made the fight just that more just that more bigger, you know. Uh, People are now questioning, is Fury going to duck again? Is the fight ever going to happen? There's so many question marks, but everyone is patiently waiting for that date in May now. And I think, um, I don't know, having a fight of that magnitude in summer is a lot more better than having it in winter. I don't know why that makes sense in my head, but I just feel like it's much better having it in um summer where a lot more people are probably more likely to go out there uh, there's going to be a better atmosphere and whatnot and um yeah will he pull out again 
I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he forfeits and pays the 10 million at this point. But um, it's, it's a fight I really want to see because I've always said from the beginning, I think stylistically, Usyk is just a nightmare for uh, Fury. And it seems like everything is going wrong in his, uh, in his camp right now. So um, my words are seeming more and more true by the day, but we won't know until the fight actually happens. I can make all of the predictions I want until the fight happens and we see how the styles come together and how the fight pans out. We won't know until then. So uh, bring on May 25th, I believe. 18th. 18th? Yeah. Even closer. Wicked. Chris says, 18th May, I'll take that with a pinch of salt. We've been paid lip service, so obviously not happening on that date. It's got more delays than flights. And he also says, don't forget, we need to praise Fury because Fury is perfect, lads. Don't worry, we don't praise Fury around here. If you've been watching for quite a while, that's the last thing we're doing around in this podcast. It's the last well. thing we're doing. You, you'd think it's anti-propaganda for, for Fury around here, to be honest. I think <laughs> most of us have had we, enough of this nonsense. We give him his credit for his boxing. We we respect the fact that he's a very good boxer. But outside of that, we yeah, no. We're not we're you, not for me personally, I don't, I don't well, his boxing in general. I, I think in general. In general, I, I honestly think I, I ain't seen enough from his boxing. Because when you look at his actual record of who he's for, his Best performance, arguably, is Vladimir Klitschko, which was a hug fest where I don't think he beat Klitschko. He more nullified him, if that makes sense. And it was the type of performance where Klitschko could have very easily been awarded that fight because he didn't beat the champion, if that makes sense. Kind of similar to Ortiz and Tio uh, the other day, where you don't really beat the champion. Um, and that's arguably his best performance. And then his career kind of got glorified because of three um, fights against the same fighter who, when put against Joseph Parker, has looked absolutely disastrous. And a lot of people are trying to say, oh, the hunger of Wilder's gone away or whatnot. I personally think you actually gave this fighter a real test and he looked like a, um, like a dog in water or a fish out of water or whatever the saying is. So... Yeah, so I have question marks about Fury's um, boxing as a whole. Uh, I mean, I, 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 look, you know me, I'm not the biggest Tyson Fury fan, but I, I disagree slightly with that in terms of I feel like what he did with Klitschko, no one else has been able to do. Um, even Joshua wasn't able to. He knocked him out, Joshua, obviously. But it was a very, a very touch-and-go fight for Joshua because he was also very... He could have lost that fight, Anthony Joshua. Like he was a very um... he could have and he should have, I, I believe. What I'll say is a, a younger Klitschko, I think. Well, no, that is, you know, yeah, I agree with you. I, I feel like if they run but, it back, Klitschko wins. Yeah, but this is the the caveat that I want to say now. I think the Vladimir Klitschko that fought Anthony Joshua would have beat Tyson Fury. That's fair to say. Well, my that's thing that, is that's Fury opinion, did his right? thing. He beat him, and then the second Wilder fight was probably one of the most important, impressive heavyweight type of fights that I've seen in terms of just battling. And um, yes, Wilder, everyone knows he has the question marks around him and all of that. Well, no, I get that. But 
<clears throat> no one did to Wilder what he was doing to Wilder. Luis Ortiz was close to beating him, but you know, you've got the cake, no icing. There's no cherry on top. You need the cherry. So he was fifty-six. <clears throat> yeah, Fury uh, did that. So I, I got to give Fury's credit there. Where credit where credit's due. But let's see May eighteenth. Let's see if they come up with another excuse to pull out of the fight, or we actually get the undisputed heavyweight fight. Um, uh, the interesting thing, which we'll talk about um, when we talk more in detail about the fight, is the whole sanctioning bodies because they're really mess, they're really screwy. But we'll talk about that when that fight comes around. Um, but yeah, I think we covered everything for today. Um, that was a really yeah. good episode. Uh, and next week we've got. Uh, well, next week we were meant to have Fury six look forward to. We don't. Um, but on Friday, if I mean, I, I, I'm not going to stay up for it because I've got work in the morning. Um, you've got Oshaki Foster defending his WBC lightweight, uh, super lightweight title against Abraham Nova on a um, top rank card. So remember, top rank cards <laughs> on a weekday nights, maybe not the best thing to stay up for. But yeah, um, prioritize sleep. <laughs> but you've also got um, prospect Bruce Shushu Carrington on there and. Again, like Abdullah Mason, he's one I think people got to keep their eyes peeled for and uh, watching watching out for. Uh, there's a, a couple other people, and I can't remember, but uh, top rank cards typically, when it comes to stacking it with their talent that they have, uh, it'll be one to keep your eye out, even if you're not watching it live, to to go and find the results out um, later. So, but uh, keep your eye out on um, ringside. We've got a lot of uh, things planned which once I've sorted them out, I'm going to announce them on the Twitter. So subscribe on the YouTube because those videos, these video, these plans I have, they're going to come out on YouTube. Um, also follow us on uh, Twitter at Ringside Fracas and also um, on Instagram at Ringside Fracas um, to keep up with all the news and all the uh, updates that we're gonna, we'll bring to you. But trust me, you won't want to miss these next couple of weeks that we've got. Um, Give, if you're listening on Apple's podcast or Spotify, give us five stars. And again, if you're listening on, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Peace. Yeah, yeah, Lennon, do it. Lennon, I'm coming for you. Like, is it frustrating to train like you did and then have no, this I, in seven I or eight seconds? I only trained probably two weeks or three weeks for this fight. I had to bury my best friend. And I dedicated this fight, I wasn't going to fight, I dedicated this fight to him. I was going to rip his heart out, I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal in Michigan, most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynch is a conqueror, no, I'm Alexander, he's no Alexander. I'm the best ever, there's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston, I'm Jack Dempsey, there's no one like me. I'm from their floor, there's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious, I want your heart, I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Sports Social Podcast Network.